Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! You know, look, I keep saying that, and, and it's like it's like a great part of this show, right? The, getting to to say that and celebrate our good friends at Budget Blinds, the uh, the bringers of enlightened style shades. All hail those Robert Shade Overlords. I'm just excited to do that, and I am so glad that they have stuck with us and have been with us through the whole, basically the whole time we've been doing this podcast, and that we get to do that as a piece. Honestly, they have been supporters of this project of ours from the very beginning. And is and we will touch in on how good a supporter they are of other things in the community uh, in addition to just this podcast, which is an important part of the community support, by the way, future advertisers. But, you know, we, we as a thing, they've been great. But really... The reason they do that is so that they can bring the finest in shade technology and the latest in styles to you with these enlightened style shades. And if you are ready to add those to your home, just go see our friends right in the heart of Lee Summit. Our friends at Budget Blinds. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. Jason, we have another awesome sponsor. We are we are doubly blessed. A local sponsor that's also doing good in the community it's ask kathy keller williams realty that's right they are uh, they are a, a lovely group of folks at downtown lee summit they have had a a i think some growth and they are trying to make a little bit more and they they want to get to where they want to be in honor of their 20th anniversary which is coming up next year in 2022 just weeks away just weeks away and and they are there they have a gob of five star reviews on our various google and facebook 400 plus of those they have helped over the years 2300 families find either sell or buy or both a new home and 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 not only that jason but they're good at the job you can look at those numbers but also get this in 2021 they have sold homes for a hundred for four percent of asking price and they do it fast an average of five days right look i can't say my own name in less than five days honestly i can't make a decision about like dinner in, in less under, than five days. In less than five days. <laughs> but they are selling your home in under five days which is frightening to me i'm like i'm not in the market to sell my home because i like being married and stuff, but uh, is as a whole, is that where case I would feel completely overwhelmed if like I put my home on the list, uh, listed it, and then like with less than a week, yeah, had a contract done with it. I would be I would be almost paralyzed with that. But I'm certain. Well, that's just your own personal fear. But right. if the you people, actually want to do it, and you're it's working, a good feeling. And if you're working with Ask Kathy, they're going to help you. They're going to they're going to they would hold my hand and walk me through that, and probably help me manage my. Extremely irrational and oddball fears of having a successful home sale. Right. Yeah, look, look, if you're not Jason and you're not scared of success and you're ready to sell your home, go call our friends at Ask Kathy Keller Williams Realty. They are good, good folk doing good, good work right in our hometown. Hello again and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury and as always, I am joined by a man who really enjoys the traditional time that we have on AMI days. It's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. <laughs> I still have to like remind myself what AMI days are. Every time somebody brings it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that means the not a snow day day. Yeah, I was like, adjusted mean income? I don't know. I, but I, 
the nerd is goes elsewhere. But yeah, she, uh, alternative mode of instruction isn't that what it stands for? Something like that. Like that. So basically, it means not a snow day. It means your snow day child, your snow day is ruined. That's what right. it means. So and look, to be fair to all of the teachers and the educators that I know, I get it. I understand the reasoning. I'm old and I don't like change. Well, I'm also just going to say, why why must we hate fun? <laughs> like, I don't, I mean, sure, there may be lots of, there are probably lots of like social le- or like learning and educational and like well-researched and understanding ideas why we would take advantage of this. And this, you know, almost everyone in our very well-to-do district has internet access and can, and can see these things and do all of that. That's all great. But why do they hate fun? Yeah. <laughs> like, Stop your logic fun. and your facts will not change my opinion. Absolutely. Link to Lee Summit is the source for all the news you need about our very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is a question I have. What What's the real thing? What is the best winter taco? Ooh. So I'm going to I'm going to go a different direction on this Uh-oh. a little bit. Are you going to go with the Choco Taco? Because I- that would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself in the winter months shifting a little bit away from the taco. You're not going in the forbidden direction, are you? And going for the tostada. Oh, so it's really that's just a flat taco. Right. I mean, I'm not not to I'm not disparaging tostadas. I, or I don't know else, why flat, I don't know why I shift that way in the winter months, but I feel like I go more toward the tostada in the winter months. I, I will say I kind of go towards. I tend to go towards uh, like moles and pasoles and things like saucy like stewy, soupy things. I love a good mole. And so tacos are difficult, but we do have a compromise position. Okay. That gives us the winter thing, but still taco. And you know what it is as well as I do. It's birria. Yeah. It's tacos based in like a, basically a stew meat, like an overcooked, like spicy, awesome meat. And then you get a dip to go with it. So you get like all of those things in one. And so in many ways it may be, this is my proposal. This is my hypothesis. The best winter taco. I could support that. All right. So we have now, we've solved all the problems. And that's it this week, folks. We're going to just. <laughs> hey, we have look, a couple uh, of things. couple and notes. And then and we're going to get to. to the best part guest, of our. The best which, part of our show, which is the guest. I got to tell you, we, we did this backward. We recorded with our special guest first. And really, what we're doing now is just wasting time. So here we go. Here's some notes. The giant Macy's store over at Summit Fair will not be empty for long. The Kansas City Business Journal is reporting. For those of you who are aware that the Macy's store was emptying, by the right. way. <laughs> it's going to become the Furniture Mall of Missouri. So another furniture store coming. But look, it's nice to see that a giant hunk of retail space is not going to sit empty in our community. That there's It's going to be filled. So that means jobs there. That means tax dollars flowing into the community. This is all good stuff, folk. Right, and because it's in Missouri, the superior side of the state line, the furniture shopping, you don't have to drive to Olathe, which is, I think, let's be clear, that's a benefit for everybody. It is, it is. If we can keep that shopping and those dollars here in town, let's do it, folks. And, you know, plus, let's let's not be sure, let's make sure that we're harsh on Olathe while we're at it, so. Yeah, because it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. All right, so last night at council. Um, there wasn't a ton of stuff, but we wanted to bring up this one a little bit for um, for a couple of reasons. But the primary one is, okay, so last night there was a conversation about uh, a pro- 
proposed city policy, it was like a staff policy basically, coming forth to the council to review about proactive code enforcement. And I, I will, I'm going to give, would you like the very, very nickel version of this since let's, we want to get to our, let's do we want to get to our interview with Carrie? Well, I think, I think the, the, the reason we're doing this, Jason, is this comes out of the strategic planning process. So we talked for the last year, we've talked a lot about that strategic planning process. The city it's two years. It's two, two years. years. They've, uh, you know, they brought in a lot of people from the community, had lots of opportunities for people to come in. This is something that came out of it. The people have asked for this. And so here was just the staff saying, OK, if we do this, here's how we propose that we do it. City Council then votes on it. So right. Jason, really quickly, what the heck does this mean? OK, so basically the way our code depart our code enforcement department works now is they work on it, what we would call a reactive basis. So let's say, for instance, that I look at my neighbor, Nick, and notice that he has kept a fleet of cars on blocks in his driveway. Uh, and the city code says you cannot have inoperable cars in the open in the city. That's one of the rules. And I can call, I would call the city and wrap my friend Nick out because I am the worst HOA member ever. And then the city would come and investigate it and either give a citation or not, and then go start the resolution process that way. So it's a very reactive process The the city code enforcement people are going out when there are calls for them to go out. So what this proposal basically does is to, there obviously will still be that, but then they will also designate each month, they're going to divide the city into uh, 10 zones, and each month, one of the zones is going to get a thorough review. So the code enforcement officers will go out into that area, drive through the city, uh, drive through that portion of the city, identifying code enforcement issues and, and resolving them, hopefully, in the same kinds of processes that we did before. So that's it. It's a shift, um, and the word proactive is right there. Um, so that's the basic idea of it. It comes with, and they identified this in their presentation, it will come with eventually a requirement for additional resources for the code enforcement officers to do all of this work. Which leads to, Jason, the fun part for you and I. Ding, ding. If you are a candidate, you might want to pay attention here if you are a candidate for city council. What this means, Jason, and there was a little bit of chatter, you know, and conversation back and forth between council members and the staff after this presentation, it passed as an ordinance, as an up, I guess it's not an ordinance, right? It's a policy change. It's a policy. It's a policy change. It passed by an eight to one vote. Councilmember Bob Johnson, District 4, was the lone nay vote on that. But here's the thing, Jason, this is what this really means. With that last bit that the staff said that eventually this is going to require additional staff, this means that the next city manager, because remember city manager Steve Arbo will be retiring in September, the next city manager is going to have to figure out how to do that, how to add staff and then make a recommendation to city council. And city council will in the end have to come up with the way they pay for more staff. So here is something to look forward to if you are trying to be on that next council block. Right. And, and I think that this is something that we'll attend to as we go through and as the staff and the city come together on these pieces from the strategic plan, right? This, this community-derived, council-approved plan that we had, there are going to be um, follow-through items like this that are going to impact, you know, service, if you're going to have service impacts, they're either going to move service from one point to another, they may reduce certain services that are no longer, you know, maybe are redundant or unnecessary, they are going to inc increase the amount of services that are happening in other pieces. And these are all impacts. And so, you know, it's, 
this is the process. I know, cut, there we go. Say that word again, right? The process that we've gone through where we've had all this community input and we've gone through the votes and now we have direction for staff and the staff is going to come to the council and then the council is going to make decisions. And that's the stuff that's really important. You can see people get perhaps, you know, they get perhaps a little overexcited about something like this coming forth as if it has been like generated to borrow something, sua sponte from like the depths of the nine hells or something that has come forth from city staff, like out of nothing. And in fact, there's this long path that it has used to get here. We want people to see that and understand how that works and how they might affect that process. Candidate warning. Uh, if they, if they are elected to office. And at least to one of the, one of the biggest roles of a council member, right. Is approving the budget. It's figuring out, working with staff to figure out how changes are paid for so right. we're gonna so that's really all there all there is on that one one last quick note jason before before you introduce our special guest for this for this week there is a a um a board of education meeting tomorrow thursday four o'clock on the agenda for that is a review of the current mask uh policy if you remember when that was when that was voted on and reintroduced the masking the masking mandate last time they said then that they would come back. They would review it on February fourth. Check where the case numbers the third, are. By the way, oh, the You're third. Bad with Sorry. dates and numbers today, man. I am really in bad this week on dates and on dates and numbers. Um, they're going to review it uh, on the third. So that's Thursday tomorrow, four o'clock. That's going to be up for discussion. We will see what happens there. Jason, those are our news and notes. Introduce our very special guest. Well, I mean, look, it's we're overdue. And without a whole lot further ado, because I know I introduced someone to come there, we're going to go to our interview with Carrie Gray. We are here with Carrie Gray, who She's has made her, her triumphant return to the podcast to provide, uh, uh, I think, a wealth of information as free well therapy. as free therapy for us. Uh, Carrie, it's been too long. How are you doing? Oh, doing fantastic. And it's great to be back. I appreciate you bringing your podcast couch because when I think it's time for Jason and I to have therapy, I really just like to tell myself, well, the whole city needs it too. Ooh. Yeah. What was, the, what was the Joker are, line from the we 93 are the mental Batman? Health, yeah, we're the mental health barometer <laughs> of the community. That's what we are. <laughs> well, Carrie, I, I actually, you know what? There's no joke. It's snowing outside today. Mm -hmm. I think what? Two to four inches right now. We're going to get a little break. And then they're saying another four or six inches overnight. It's cold. It's dreary. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last two years have been a little weird. A little May bit. Maybe a tiny bit stressful for people. A bit pandemic-ish. Pandemic-y. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I kind of thought, you know, I think I've noticed a lot of my friends, even myself and, and, and other people, Talk about seasonal blues, the winter blues, mm -hmm. seasonal depression. Maybe we've heard people talk about it more than we have in the past because we're all feeling it. So I thought mm -hmm. it was a good time maybe to bring you back in. And we can talk a little bit about that because in this era of heightened anxieties, I think mm -hmm. we have to try even harder to talk more. And I'm going to start with myself on this. It's been a rough few months. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we... I'll start in October. One of my best friends died. It was technically not a suicide, but I think it kind of was a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. That 
threw me for a weird through a weird loop. And I was telling I was telling somebody just the other day that I feel like since then, and even until now, I I don't know that I've ever since in that time I don't know that I put in like a full eight hour work day without, you know I mean it just getting into the swing of things with that kind of stuff on top of mm -hmm. everything else. And then you wake up and it's days like this. And it's just, I think I'd rather just sit on my couch. Mm -hmm. How normal are all of these things right now? I mean, is there, are there heightened things that we should be aware of? Is this something, do we have to get used to feeling this way? Well, um, I, you know, Fix I think- me, Carrie. <laughs> oh, we do not have that kind of time on this podcast. <laughs> well, okay. So to answer your question. I don't do, even know if there was a question there. Do we have to get used to feeling this way? You know, and, and I would say that we need to recognize how we're feeling and we can take steps to help ourselves to, you know, be feeling and doing better, if you will. You know, so you talk about, uh, you know, just the, the heightened stress, the anxiety that we've all been experiencing over the past few years. And you also look at, um, you know, even like seasonal affective disorder, which we, which we know is real. And so that can compound things for many people. Um, and we know that when we tune into our body and uh, really listen to what our mind and our body is telling us that it provides us with some really good signals or check engine light signals that tell us, hey, you know, I'm not doing okay. Um, you know, part of this is we recognize where that's coming from, meaning we're going through difficult times and it's been very hard. Um, but then the other thing is just recognizing that when we start uh, experiencing a lag in our motivation, you know, when we're not um, as productive as we used to be, maybe we're having difficult times concentrating, uh, maybe it's gotten to be too much and we just want to put the blanket over our head and literally disappear and hope that tomorrow, you know, everything is okay. Uh, Carrie, have you been watching me at home? Because I have really been. Very, yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, do you have cameras in all of our homes? <laughs> that that that's a normal feeling. Okay, you know, when you're given this the amount of stress, and you know, and Nick, when you talk about the loss of a close friend, you know, and that you yourself are going through. Uh, the process of grief that happens after we lose someone. But you could also use the loss metaphor when you look at the different losses that we've experienced uh, over the past you know, few years and having to uh, adapt in many ways, uh, the way we live, the way we school, the way we um, you know, even celebrate certain milestones in our lives. So I'm all over the place with that answer there. Well, the I think, line, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was struck by two things there. One, I think I keyed on, you talked about lack of focus and lack of motivation. And mm -hmm. obviously that's something I think I will personally relate to, but I feel like that's a thing. Mm -hmm. I hear so many of us saying right now that mm -hmm. 
it's hard to maintain a focus for an entire day for an entire week or mm-hmm. man i got up and what's the point today i mean I, i'm gonna go back i'm gonna tell a story uh of of my son last year and and we opted for him for us the decision was he did all last year virtual he, he mm-hmm. did we made that choice but I remember one day, and I may have said, told you this the last time you were on, or maybe just one of the times we were talking personally, but I remember there was a day and he was struggling and he kind of, and he looked at me and said, dad, what's the point? I get up and it's the same thing every day. I get up, I open my Chromebook, I go through the school motions, I close my Chromebook, we eat dinner, we go to bed, I get up and do it all over. What's the point of all this? Right. And I feel like that's a... I mean, that, telling that story again makes me very sad. <laughs> and he's much better this year. This year has been much better. But, yeah. but I mean, I feel like that's a common theme that we've all told that story in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, it, like he says, it feels redundant. So what's the purpose in doing things? You know, the, what is the end goal here? You know, we're caught up in this boring pattern of behavior that there's really not much to look forward to is part of what I read to in that. And so, you know, what can we do about it? Um, You know, recognizing that we're all, you know, everybody's struggling to some degree with that. But then, you know, what can we do to what do we have to look forward to? You know, where is our our meaning and the things that we're we're choosing to do? And why is this particular uh, thing that I'm putting my uh, energy and time into important to me? And, you know, part of what you're talking about, though, is distinguishing between experiencing what we refer to as just a case of the blues which, you know, people experience at different times um, and it could be related to an event, um, a loss or, you know, just dissatisfaction, if you will, you know, with life and where things are. But then it can evolve into and what we also need to watch for is signs of depression where the what's the point, you know, becomes uh, we watch for, uh, you know, in action. How does this affect the person in other areas of their life? You know, are they no longer engaging or are they withdrawing from social situations, you know, relationships? Are they able to do their job effectively um, and, and be productive there? Or are we starting to notice some problems with productivity in that area? Um, how about at home? You know, is there more conflict? You know, in relationships there, and so um, people who have experienced, you know, what we would refer to as, you know, a diagnosable depression, you know, almost uh, refer to as just everything takes so much more energy than what it should, if you will. So those simple things, you know, like just getting out of bed, you know, getting dressed, taking a shower, taking care of appearance and things like that. Take It's almost like having to run a marathon. And so, um, you know, recognizing that that's not normal 
right? It's normal to feel a sense of the blues from time to time because you've been cooped up indoors and you don't see maybe the end, if you will, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but depression is something very different that requires, you know, medical attention and intervention. But the positive thing, the positive thing, Nick is, and Jason, is that there's things that we can do in order to change our perspective uh, that can help us to increase our motivation and to, uh, you know, live with the uncertainty uh, with less or fewer negative impacts, living, you know, with that routine, if you will. So we do get better. Absolutely. We, I would say we can get better. I think, but we have to do stuff, right? This is okay. So, Carrie, I, yes. I'm glad you. I'm glad you dragged Nick and I out of the negative mire and Thank talked you. about like the good side of things that are out there. And so, let's talk a little bit about what some of those things are. Now we're middle dead of winter. It's literally snowing outside, and it's you know that's like this is like the. It's not the darkest of times because we're on the backside of the Omicron wave and the things sure. of that nature, but it is still, it's not a fun, like, like this, like very specific moment is not the best fun time in the world. So what are some things that we can do, or probably more importantly, what are some things that we can help our kids and our youth do? Because it's, it's even harder for the young folks because they don't have always have the tools to recognize Mm-hmm. when things are sideways with them and and part of the, like as parents or as as teachers and and community members family members we can see the signs in our kids in a way that maybe they are not or honestly anybody from the outside can sometimes see these signs in a way that a person is not internally attentive to so what are things mm-hmm. that we can do for ourselves and for others to help others sort of get into these more positive frames right Well, so one of the big ones um, that really affected our our mental health with regards to pandemic impacts was the social isolation and loneliness. And so, you know, working to get re-engaged with our people, you know, whoever our people are and and doing that, obviously in a safe way, but, you know, um, you know, part of that healing process is for us to be able to socially connect with other people. You know, we thrive and we need those types of support networks, you know, within our environment. Now, for some kids um, who, you know, with the virtual learning and things like that and being away from the social aspects for a while, uh, for many, it creates anxiety you know, excitement, but also some social anxiety and getting back out there. And so as a parent, your instinct might be to protect them, if you will, in some way from those uncomfortable feelings. But we know when we're experiencing fear or anxiety that the only way to overcome it is to work through it. And so how do we help our kids? Well, let's talk openly about what we're feeling you know, what we're thinking, um, you know, just having an on this conversation, uh, like what Nick is sharing that, you know, this kind of stinks right now, you know, here we are, you know, closed in again, it's cold outside, I really don't want to do anything. Um, have you ever felt that way too, you know, and having that discussion, but then 
choosing to do something about it, right? And so that gets back into our mindset and, and how we choose to focus our attention. And so, you know, for some, it's, you know, looking at having more of a positive outlook on life. So instead of looking at all the negative things or things that I can't do and, and, and getting our mind caught into those things, um, but focusing on what do I have to be grateful for, you know, you know, starting the day in that way. You know, what am I looking forward to? And here's a good challenge. Even after the most difficult day, right? Think of a really hard day to be able to talk about what is something that I am still thankful for that happened today. And it could have been an interaction with someone or, you know, who, who knows what it is. But so part of it is that our mindset. The other thing is that when we're experiencing high levels of stress, our brain doesn't think logically, all right? So we have to, to keep Important that in note. mind. Yeah. Uh, note, we are not logical thinkers when we're under stress and we tend to have more knee-jerk reactions and whatnot. And so by tuning into self-awareness, you know, and stepping, stepping back, you know, from that mm -hmm. space, we can ask ourselves, you know, why, why am I feeling this way? Um, and try to pinpoint some of those factors that are influence, influencing my feeling state. Then we can ask ourselves, okay, what do I have control over here? And what do I have absolutely no control over? Because oftentimes we have a tendency to ruminate and put our energy into the things that we have absolutely no control over. And that just creates more anxiety. But if we go back to that concept of no one thinks clearly uh, when they're experiencing high levels of stress, um, one of the things that we can do within the workplace, within our personal lives is to set small goals, all right? So what do I need to accomplish today? And what are those steps that I'm gonna take in order to work towards that particular goal? And what we find is once we just get up and do those things, it's kind of like going to the gym. I know, Nick, you get up every morning at five and <laughs> throw on your spandex and head over to Legacy Park for a few hours. We're going to get a content warning if you don't stop soon. Here. <laughs> I mean, look, I wanted to stay straight faced and let you play that, but oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to have, we're going to talk about like, hold on. I thought we were talking about setting positive pictures. So now you have pictures in my head of Nick and Smith. <laughs> now we have to get out of the trauma of the yeah, moment. I got, yeah, so you've, you've well, created You know, trauma. actually, us making jokes you about that. Better? Us making jokes about that brings me. So my, my default position on a lot of these things is I'm a natural cynic. I'm always cynical of things. I, positive affirmations i want to roll my eyes and i know they work right I, and I, I will also say that i think culturally we have become a snarky society right oh sure we like to our our default defense mechanism is to make fun of those things so how do we work through with ourselves work through with our family members and our friends you know jason and i have a relationship where we just can 
you know, we each kind of dump our <laughs> our traumas on each other and and try to talk through that stuff. And 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 I hope everybody has that friend. Mm-hmm. But we're also both that same cynical person. So how? Do, what's a good way to to try to get ourselves to shift and try to help our friends shift so that we can get past our default defense mechanisms, which is just to roll our eyes and make fun of, you know, the positive affirmations, which actually do work. I know. Well, I mean, we could really get into a therapy session right here and why that's difficult for you, but we're not. Um, Is it because you can't bill me right now? (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, But, um, you know, I think keeping humor is not a bad thing. You know, having having a sense of humor in the face of adversity and difficult times is okay. You know, and being able to have someone who has a similar mindset to yourself, you know, where you can just say things. Obviously, you have a relationship with, you know, you and Jason have known each other for a long time. And so you can be cynical, sarcastic and whatnot, which you know, sarcasm isn't the best thing in most, you know, relationships. So you get that, right? Look, I didn't it's, say it was a healthy friendship. It's not a healthy friendship. <laughs> so here's, here's my suggestion, you know, how do we um, be more kind, I guess, to others, you know, compassionate, extend grace, put yourself, uh, try to see things from another person's perspective you know, even though you may not agree with their perspective, um, you know, I think a lot of problems could be resolved if we uh, simply took the time to step back from our own experiences and interpretations of situations based on our own experiences and, and whatnot, and simply really work to try to understand things from another person's perspective. You know, what is it? Why are they looking at this this way? What are their main concerns? Um, What do they want to see happen here as an outcome? Because oftentimes we have a similar end goal in mind, uh, but the conflict emerges because we have different avenues or ways of accomplishing that end goal. All right. So how do we create that mutual respect? Um, We take the time to tell people, you know, relationships, people are important to me. And I'm going to show you I care by stepping back and truly listening to what it is that you have to say. Now, that doesn't mean that I agree with what you have to say. All right. And there's, yeah, you know, uh, but I do care where you're coming from. And so giving our, our, perhaps as we decide our perspectives are different, you know, where could we come together uh, in terms of some sort of end goal? How could we use everyone's perspective, you know, to do that? So it's, you know, another analogy that I I often, um, you know, that I'm sure you heard of is the iceberg, you know, where people share a small portion of, the reality of who they are and what they're struggling with. And we have a tendency, of course, to put our best foot forward and certainly social media helps to perpetuate that. Um, But keeping in mind that you don't know what's going on, what struggles people are having internally, 
um, especially with mental health. You know, with physical health and mental health, um, sometimes you can't see what's going on. And that can be particularly uh, stigmatizing or, you know, and difficult, you know, as we look at, you know, mental health and the struggles that people are having are very real, but you might look at someone and think that they're just fine. So having a perspective that, you know, we don't know, you know, what's going on with this other person that is uh, influencing how they're acting, how they're talking, et cetera. Uh, but we can seek to understand that a little bit better and provide some compassion, if you will. Well, I, I, I'm looking at my notes and I had a note off to the side that said, Nick, don't take all the time to talk about your own problems. Um, so you're going to ignore that note and go on to something. Right. So right let's bring it back it. to okay. me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I do want to shift back to, to talking about, um, to talking about our kids and the youth. Okay. And, and, and I, a, that's one of the reasons we bring you on. You've, you've been working in the youth mental health mm-hmm. world for, for nearly 20 years here in our community. Um, and I think because also what Jason and I do is try to, hone in on conversations happening in the community, especially around election time. We are Mm -hmm. at the beginning of an election cycle. And youth mental health has been brought into the political sphere of of discussion, um, especially Mm -hmm. in in races for for two seats on our our Board of Education, the local Lee Summit School District. And it's come up, and it's come up in talking about the pandemic, talking about all of the stuff the kids have to go Mm -hmm. through and the teachers have to go through. I think a lot of it has, has focused on, you know, what having to wear a mask every day does and all of these things. And I, I don't really want to talk about masks and not masks, A, because we're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> Everybody's kind of formed their opinions and, and where they do on that. But I do think, and this is where I think Jason and I try to focus in, that it's not enough to just talk about masks. I think... I feel right. like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, and I assume you always will, but I feel like that's ignoring 97% of the conversation to just focus on, mm-hmm. on that one thing. So as we look forward, our kids and our teachers, we've all been in this for two years now, or we're coming up on that two-year mark. Mm-hmm. What are the things we should be looking for, the conversations we should actually be having so that Carrie, our kids and ourselves can get out of this tunnel. Is, I, am know, I, I starting way too broad? No, I think that's, that's, you know, how do we move forward? And, you know, we're talking, you're looking more big picture at the many factors that are influencing our mental health as adults, as well as the mental health of our youth. You know, and one of the things that we need to do in order to move forward in a healthy way is recognize the the stressful environment that everyone is functioning in. You know, we've got teachers um, who, you know, are taking on so much more uh, and having to pivot uh, the way they teach, cover other classes, things like that, in order to just keep the kids in school, for example, you know, and so the stress on our teaching staff, you know, the stress on the parents, the adults, 
you know, in careers and how things have been impacted there. Um, you know, the stress on the youth is going to be experienced somewhat differently there. Um, so everyone's experiencing stress in a unique way, depending on their situation. And so recognizing that our mental health is part of our overall health is critical. And so really having some open, honest discussions about how is this impacting our mental health of our educators, our administrators, you know, our adults, et cetera. And also, of course, how does it impact our kids? Um, you know, because of them being, as you mentioned earlier, the emotional sponges. So there's, there's a few different, you know, there's a few different pieces there, but we need to take care of everyone's mental health is my bottom line. And, you know, part of that is, do we have a sufficient number of resources within the schools, you know, within the community to get people the help that they need? You know, can they get affordable professional mental health care that's culturally sensitive? And can they get it in a reasonable amount of time? And um, from what I'm hearing, that that's very difficult to come by. Um, can we provide? Uh, is that, is more, that difficult to come yeah. by because of, you know, everything staffing is hard right now? Is that difficult to come by because of economics? I mean, what? I think there's many. Yeah, see I think all of the above. Yeah, there's many factors there. You know, there's there's not enough. You know, qualified providers, if you will. So getting access is one thing, um, but also the economic piece of that, you know, getting mental health care can be extremely expensive, you know, and if you don't have uh, an employee assistance program that helps cover some of that cost or, you know, that type of coverage through your medical insurance, um, you know, people are not going to get the help that they need. And so that's huge. So, yeah, you know, I would, I would think, you know, as you look at the school board and the people who are running for election, that it would be good to ask them what are what are they going to do, you know, in that area of youth mental health to provide, you know, the the students with more resources um, to get a better understanding of, you know, what their struggles are instead of making assumptions about that and to get those tools in place. But they also need to take care of their people. What are they doing to take care of those, you know, the teachers and the frontline workers in those uh, classrooms? Well, that's a nice small question that we can just ask everybody. So yeah, yeah thank you. actually great. That is an excellent. I think you you you've uh, distilled it very well. And like you've been around us maybe too long because you like came right in and just put that as a question, like exactly like Nick and I would ask. So <laughs> I, I was looking you. at Jason. Were you taking notes? Yes, I actually <laughs> I did actually wrote down some of the stuff you just said to to stick in our forums. So be forewarned, people in the uh, especially in our R seven forums, Carrie's question is coming for you. Carrie, <laughs> so. you and I have been talking about these topics for what four years now. You know, we, we, we met after some suicides that happened in our community mm -hmm. and, and, and different things had started because of the last two years, the pandemic has the conversation around youth mental health around suicide prevention. Has it changed? Are there, are there 
things that we are considering that we weren't before, I guess? Are you seeing increased needs that aren't being met? I, I, I'm just trying to feel maybe we're just are we doing better? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say because the data lag is about a year. So we don't we won't really know whether we're doing better until we've already done it, it. <laughs> we've already done it, et cetera. But what we, we are doing better is having more conversations about mental health, which is uh, uh, obviously that's one of the important ways in which we break down mental health stigma and make it more of uh, mental health is equal to physical health. And so let's talk about this. What are some of the signs and symptoms that maybe you're not okay? Um, one of the things that we're finding in our youth um, you know, when we talk about suicide and risk factors and protective factors is that our youth are lacking in what we refer to as like self-help skills, life skills, critical thinking and problem solving skills. And so these are the things that we need to be intentional, you know, in teaching them how do you cope with a strong disappointed feeling, if you will. You know, how are you okay with that feeling? How do you manage it without it overwhelming you, you know, and taking, you know, taking over is one example of that. Can, um, I, gonna, how, can yeah. I put you on the spot? Please. This is gonna be a really mean question uh -oh. for you to answer. Can that happen in the school system? I mean, is there the capacity to add that kind of service and education into a public school system? I mean, I don't even know if that's fair for me to ask you, um, but yeah, it's the question I mean, that comes to my mind. Well, I think of, you know, uh, the role of the school counselor and that there's, there's not enough of them to do what is needed and to meet the needs, right? And so expanding that to more of a holistic wellness approach um, I feel like anything is possible. And so it becomes a way in which we shift our culture within our buildings, you know, to recognize the importance of, you know, mental health. Um, you know, right now, you know, the kids, my, my daughter will be a junior next year and, you know, getting ready to uh, choose classes, if you will, right? And so having a conversation with the student because the decisions, the classes that she takes are going to affect her as an individual. She's becoming an adult. She's 16 years old. Uh, but you know, in a few years, I'm sorry. She, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I did it three other times. It's all good. But including them in conversations and decisions that affect their life is critical helping them develop critical thinking skills surrounding what are the classes that you want to take and why do you want the advanced one or not the advanced one versus, you know, the, the straightforward one. Um, how many activities, you, um, you know, that's another factor on mental health is that like through our podcast with the kids or students, you, uh, uh, Nick, you know, we, learn that when they were forced to shut down, that many of them expressed that they had the opportunity to step back and really think about what do they want to do with their life? 
you know, what's important to them. And they wouldn't have done that if they were still caught up in the busyness of everyday life. So my point is, let's help our kids create a sense of balance in their life and as they choose their classes, but also look at that within the context of the other activities and commitments they have beyond the classroom and show them that it is important to make their mental health, their physical health a priority, that it's important to slow down and, and take breaks and be with people, that it, they, it's not healthy to be constantly on that treadmill you know, of right. busyness, right? So we should teach them the importance of, of balance yes. in their teens and so they don't have to figure it out when they're 30 and 40. Exactly. Do we? Does that mean we have to figure that out first or is, can we just like teach them without knowing what we're doing? Because I, I feel like if I have to I wait till the, I get it right, then we may be waiting a while. Right. So. The, the <laughs> do as we say, not as we've done lesson, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, think of it. Learn from our mistakes. That's the way it was right. like. Well, and priority management. I mean, how many people with this extra time, you know, if you will, you know, have taken time to really step back and think about, you know, am I living my purpose? What do I want to accomplish? Right. Um, we don't get meaning in life out of being busy. You know, our meaning and satisfaction comes from doing things that are of value and of importance to us. Um, you know, that's, you know, serving others, you know, can be one example of that. And that's why we know, you know, uh, making volunteering and giving back to our community uh, makes us feel good, the person who's given as well as the person who's receiving. So oh, the question- why I love Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Living a meaningful life. Oh, I have a book suggestion for you. Sweet book club time. Book club. Think like a monk. By All right. So I the book she's showing- it. The book she's showing is Think by a Monk Wait, by Jay, Jay Shetty um, is the, is there, it's a New York Times bestseller. All right. So, yeah. so tell us why we want to read this book, Carrie. So I am only on page 100, so I'm not fully through it. Uh, but one of the things that um, a resource that's become more pronounced and showing evidence of having a positive impact is participating in what is referred to as mindfulness practices. And it kind of gets into that area of also emotional intelligence by first honing in on our self-awareness and tuning into, we all have mental chatter in response to the situations that happen in our environment. And some of our mental chatter is helpful and some of it isn't very helpful at all. And so part of his uh, work- yeah, it's it's focusing in on harnessing the potential of the brain and being able to shift and create neuro pathways that are different and more uh, conducive to living a meaningful life, if you will. It's, you know, shifting our, our mindset. And so it provides um, tools in addition to that for just managing our feeling state. And, and one of the things that I, I like that I've read in other places, even outside of this book, is that when we need to tune into 
our emotional climate because it's not sustainable to, you know, try to ignore what's happening emotionally. So if I'm angry, if I'm frustrated, um, oftentimes uh, people will try to suppress that kind of like a beach ball where you push it underwater, which we know is not sustainable because as soon as we let go, the ball's going to go up in the air. And so one of his teachings is, is to recognize that when we're having a strong emotional reaction to something, what does that tell us about something that we value, right? And so we tune into, you know, that, uh, you know, that self-awareness, if you will. And then it talks about how to manage different, you know, feeling states. And of course, they get into different types of breathing exercises and whatnot. But it's really an opportunity to slow down and to be more self-aware of what's going on, you know, inside me, knowing my cues and things like that. And then that helps us ultimately to be more other aware, if you will, more tuned in to others' experiences, and even the ability to start kind of modulate my own behavior uh, as I communicate with someone else and pick up on really how am I coming across in the situation and how is that affecting their nonverbals, et cetera. So it's good for relationships as well. I really like how you just tied together the need for self-awareness Mm-hmm. That also then can lead to your awareness of of your relationship with others. Yes, and I think that's that's an important thing that is not always explained well. So thank you mm-hmm. for that. Yes, you're welcome. And I think we're going to rename this interview. Carrie calls us out repeatedly, uh, inadvertently, <laughs> but she's like, "Here, this thing's happening. We're like, it's us. So <laughs> we're all doing it. We're all doing it. So that's okay. Well, Carrie, thank you." for coming in and giving us some, I think, much needed perspective, um, especially as we roll into the the depths of silly season um, going on here with the elections and the things that are coming about, um, kind of getting us a pulse of like where we are as a community and as people, as humans Mm -hmm. um, going through that. I really do appreciate you taking time to do that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share. It's always a pleasure to visit with both of you and an honor. Well, oh, let's not right. go too far. Hold <laughs> <laughs> off on the hyperbole. <laughs> there it is. You're not able to accept the positive. <laughs> that needs to be another session. I think there's. Uh, I, I feel like I'm going to get a bill really soon. <laughs> 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 Carrie, thank, thank, thank you very much. That'll wrap us up for this time. We will talk to everybody next week. All right. Thank you. 